Welcome to Drive Your Dream Home. We're your hosts, Aaron and Doug Ramsey, and we're city people who moved to the country with our family to start a lavender farm. This podcast is about all our farm adventures, our cool travels, cool people doing cool things, and all the tools to help you get in the driver's seat of your life so you can drive your dream home too. Now let's get behind the wheel and drive our dreams home together. Well, here we are, babe. Episode one of Drive Your Dream Home. You ready for this new project? I guess I better get started. (laughs) That's the story of Doug's life. It's almost like get it over with. Come on. (laughs) Oh, no. You're supposed to be high vibe. We're driving our dream home. So we thought we start with kind of a little bit of our story. Really what I wanted to talk and share today was about how Drive Your Dream Home came to be about six or seven years ago. Um, We used to record it in a car and interview people who were driving their dream home, but then it got too cumbersome, you know, when I was traveling to try to find people to hop in the car. It was actually eight years ago. It was eight? Shoot, time flies. Well... Then uh, COVID hit and we were, you know, we had started the lavender farm. So it's kind of been on the back burner, but I knew we, we always get requests for podcasts of my speaking engagements and people want to hear our story. So we thought we'd give it a whirl. But I think before we talk about the actual drive your dream home story, let's just kind of talk about how we started. (laughs) Do you want me to go first? No, I can go first. Okay. Uh, it was the day before New Year's. It was the day before New Year's that we met. Yeah, nineteen eighty-seven. Right. I was seventeen years old, and a I, senior in high school. Yeah, and I was nineteen in the Navy. Yeah. And me and a guy knew we we're gonna go out. We were in San Francisco. We were stationed on Treasure Island. We we're gonna go out, go downtown, and uh, these. Three girls pull up in a car and ask us to get them on the naval base. And, of course, we're like, sure. You know, immediately we were like, let's get, let, let's get you in here. So we, oh. we thought we got in. <laughs> okay, let me tell my <laughs> side of the story. <laughs> well, why gonna... else would we say yes? Oh, my gosh. So, you know, we're thinking we're going to get lucky here. So. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, I like to look at a little more romantic like it was fate. So my side of the story, this goes to show you there's two two sides to every story or two perspectives, which is really important when you're driving your dream home. I was in Lake Tahoe with my sister and a few friends and a big storm hit, so we weren't able to go skiing. So we were driving back home to San Francisco. And as you go over the Bay Bridge, the Treasure Island was in the middle. It's not a naval base anymore, but it was then, obviously. And my sister's like, let's go see if we can, you know, meet some people and see the view of the bay. And, you know, it was all new to me. I had never even been there as far as I know. And I am not kidding you. What are the odds, Doug? What are the odds that we actually met just in, I mean, five more minutes in traffic, you two more minutes in the shower, like it would have never happened. And we know you like to say that I picked up on you, which I did. (laughs) A girl well, knows what she wants. I was always a quiet type anyway, so it doesn't, it, I didn't. Yeah. So basically, that was 1997. We had our first date, you know, maybe the day after New Year's of 1988. And we have been inseparable since. 
Okay, so that's a long time. I can't even do the math right now. Well, the funny thing about the whole story, it's not really funny, but the thing for me is, and I've, and I've just come to realize this lately, is that I never thought about a future with you or not a future with you. I just knew that we were going to be together. It wasn't even a thought process. It wasn't like, oh, this is a fleeting thing, or oh, we're going to be together 35 years later, which here we are. I just knew that this is what it felt like and what it was supposed to feel like, and I just knew it was going to go forever. So that's that's why, hell, that's why I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Well, I think there's something to say about like being in the flow, or you know, not even intuitively, but just a real deep knowing about like our energy and. Um, you know, fate and where you are and, and what you welcome in and trusting the process, really. And that's really how we're on the lavender farm, which is be another story for episode two, I think, if we get through it today. Right. But so that's where we were. And then I finished college and he finished the Navy and worked for a while. And then we moved back to Indiana, where he's from, because we had a VA loan and you can buy a house, no money down. I had a child development degree, so you don't make any money in that. And he was a mechanic, boiler tech, so he didn't make a ton of money. And it was almost impossible to buy a house in California. And we had already had our first son when I was in college. So I said, let's go to Indiana for a year and just see. And if I hate it, we have to promise we move back because all of my family and friends, like my childhood friends that I was, I'm still close with, were out there. And we got to Indiana, loved it. Long story short... We had four kids, we worked our tails off, we had paper routes, full-time jobs. I had a family childcare home, uh, Doug traveled, put in windows. <laughs> we did a little bit of everything. We did um, absolutely everything we had to do to raise our family, keep our house. And I'm proud of that. I'm proud of that, that we had a really strong work ethic. Well, it was never even a question. We just did it. It yeah. wasn't like we never had a conversation about you need to work harder or you need to do this, or you need to do that. We just did what we needed to do. Yeah, we're a good team. Yeah. Good team. And we feel so lucky that we have four healthy kids. But really, in hindsight, and you know, it's not all gumdrops and stickers or rainbows and sunshine. You know, the way that we said about it on our 20th anniversary, and we've had so many happy memories and our family's really, really close, but we realized we wasted a lot of time. And so like we went away on our 20th anniversary and Doug says to me, we're sitting there at the table, we were in the Smoky Mountains and he says, you know, Aaron, you were a bee, <laughs> a bitch for the first 10 years and I was a dick for the second 10 years. Let's just be nice to each other from now on. <laughs> and we weren't always that way, but there was trends. And so, and we tell you that because we don't want people to think that any marriage or any partnership or any time that you're working really hard to drive a dream home. Um, well, there's stations, easy. there's parts in life where you're just not thinking right and you're mid to late thirties are, are one of them. Yeah. And that's when you, you always think, Oh, the grass might be greener on the other side. Well, it's not going to be. Mm-hmm. So we always told each other, what are you going to do? Have your own problems. When you wake up, when you wake up in the morning, you're still going to look in the mirror and see yourself. So that's, that's one of my favorite sayings is no matter where you're at, there you are. So you just, the, if you're having trouble, it's probably because you're the problem. <laughs> it's like 
played that song on TikTok. It's me. <laughs> I'm the problem. I don't have TikTok. Oh, I know so. you don't have TikTok. But, <laughs> well, that, that phrase is wherever you go there, you're always by Confucius. And we are always saying that because, you know, you really don't want to get in the habit of, you know, trading one problem for another. And with that being said, we didn't have any big deal breakers, you know. No, there's, there's nothing no abuse. abuse or anything yeah. like that. So we're not saying stay together if you're in that situation. But what we are saying is that, you know, it always hasn't been perfect for us either. Right. So we don't want to we don't want to be fake in any way around it. And so here we are. That was our 20th anniversary in the Smoky Mountains. We're feeling good. Our kids are getting older and it's our 25th anniversary. And this is the story about Drive Your Dream Home, which I've. I almost started crying about it today, thinking about recording this episode. So we were going to take a trip and do something, not extravagant, but just, you know, get out of town. And I was thinking, what should we do for our 25th anniversary? And and then I said to Doug, this is what I said. And this is what I was thinking is that, you know, Doug's always been so supportive of me, like starting my company, you know, speaking. I ran a nonprofit for a long time and, you know, always working towards something. And he's always like my wingman. And I thought, you know, this is a good time for Doug to do something that what he really wants to do. I wanted to try to learn how to be more supportive. And I wanted you to start driving some dreams home because, you know, we had been so dedicated to the family and him so dedicated to me. And um, I said, so what should we do? What can we do for you? And he's like, well, I don't know. I, he's been, he was playing pool. We had a pool table, and he always played Monday night pool for, I don't know how many years now have you been playing pool? Since Molly was born. Well, so Molly's... Uh, 22. Yeah, next week. So yeah. 22 years playing every single week on a pool league, and it's super awesome because he gets to see his dad and his brothers, and my kids go now. But, yeah, it's a really tight-knit group, so they're all really close. And that's part of what makes it, so... yeah. That's the beauty of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, he says, well, you know, I'd like to learn how to make cues, pool cues. I'm like, oh, that's so cool. And then, so tell oh, me what no, happened. I didn't know. That's not what happened. Oh. <laughs> that always happens. I, said, I, always think it's some I way said I would like to make my own pool cue because I had heard other people talking or I seen, saw it somewhere. I didn't hear other people talking. I saw it somewhere where you could pay to have to build your own queue with someone a queue maker so she said well, well look it up on the internet and i did and the, the first thing that came up was r not q and it's r not q wadsworth was the queue maker's name he's passed now uh and he was looking well i called him up and i asked him would about building my own queue and he's like yeah it's this price and it'd take a uh, seven to ten days do you have that and I said well I can give you seven so he said well we'll make it work and he, it happened to be in Florida right close to the beach and Aaron loves the beach and she was working on a book at the time so it was perfect for her so her and Molly and and myself drove down there well but I'm backtracking before we did that he asked me right there on the phone well what in a roundabout way he offered to sell me the business because he was retired and he's ready to sell all the stuff and get rid of all the stuff he was in poor health yeah yeah really poor health he was in vietnam and he ate an orange got him and chemicals over the years stuff like that so he had a lung stuff but anyway 
I told him I wasn't sure that I'd decide when I was down there. So we went down there. Molly went me with me a few times during the day, watched me build a queue with this guy. Molly's our fourth, fourth, fourth child. Yeah, she'll, yeah, she'll be. T- we have three boys, and then and then Molly's our fourth and only girl. Right. So we, uh, about halfway through the week, I told him, well, first I talked to Aaron about it, and uh, I told her that I didn't want to do this with any, without lying to myself. Or I didn't want to lie to myself and tell me I tell myself I wanted this, and if I didn't really want it, or vice versa. So it was a tough decision because you don't really know what you're getting into. Well, what happened from my perspective is that you were going to to make the queue, and we didn't really have the money to buy anything. You know, I was like, we were just like going. We were on the beach. You were doing the thing. And then like three days into this training, it's basically training at his house. It's like a one-on-one workshop. And um, you came back to the hotel at the end of the day because you were gone from sunup to sundown basically doing this. Yeah, almost every day. Yeah, it was awesome. And I was writing the book and I didn't publish that book. I didn't like it. But so she, he, um, he came and he's like, and he was super nervous. Like I had a, I don't know if I've ever seen you that nervous before. And he's like, you know, I think maybe maybe I'll buy it. It's a really good deal, and it has all the machines and, you know, all the wood and everything. And I'm like, well, yeah, do it. You know, can you cash part of your four hundred one k out, or can you? Because we had no, we didn't have any extra at this time in our life. No. We never had any extra till really just recently. <laughs> so um, he uh, he was so scared. I said, well, call the thing and see if you can get the cash, and we'll figure it out. Let's do it. I mean, why not? And he was sick. You were sick to your stomach for like two days. Like it's a lot of money for us then. Yeah, and it's a commitment, like you said. And that's what I remember. What you said was like, Aaron. You know, I want to be honest with myself about this. Like, can I really do it? You know, my thinking right about it. Like, you know. And so, of course, I thought it was a fabulous idea because why not? We had the space at our house. You could have your workshop. So, needless to say, we did it. You did it. You bought it. And this is where the drive the dream comes home was. So the machinery, the lathe and all this stuff is so heavy. Like we could barely, we had to go rent like a U-Haul truck and we had to load it in. We had to get people to help us out of Arno's house, Arnie's house. And it was nerve wracking because, oh my gosh, it was so heavy. Right. Well, the way the lathe's made, it was fifty. It's fifteen hundred pounds, and you there was no way to properly tie it in the center of the truck, and it wouldn't fit fit sideways. So we literally had to put it on one side, so the truck was like leaning side to one side. Yeah, and, and it was a big, big budget rental truck. Yeah, the major, the biggest one you could buy and drive yourself, other than like a eighteen wheeler thing, right. and. We lived 12 and a half hours from where we were in Florida, and you have to go over the mountains to get home, right? So, and the truck's a little lopsided, right? So, Doug's driving the truck, and I'm following him. And really, this is probably, I mean, you've always been brave, and you joined the Navy young, and you stayed in California with me, but this was probably one of the biggest moves you had ever made on your own accord of like what, what could be a dream for you. Would you agree? Yeah. 
Yeah. So, and that's what I was thinking. Like, I was just so moved that that truck was full and I'm falling behind him in the truck. And I know that it was nerve wracking to be driving it because again, it was to I totally lopsided. And I thought to myself, and I, I think I cried. I can't believe that my husband is is driving his dream home right now and I'm following him, right? And I snapped a picture of the truck and then we we stuck with it. That's where drive the driving your dream came came from. Driving right, your dream that was home. the first one. Yeah. Yeah, it was such a relief to get that stuff home with all that. Well, there's part of that is guilt for spending that much money on yourself. But once I got home and started unloading it, that all just went away. Yeah. So we rented a fork truck to get the lathe out so we didn't have to get a bunch of people to help us and stuff like that. And setting up my shop was a whole lot of fun. And, and the, like the first cue I made was for myself. And then I made one for my oldest son right after that. And those both felt really good. Well, what I think, what what you just said, I think is so important for people listening who are really thinking about driving a dream home or, or, or are actually doing it, is that it's that worthiness, feeling like not guilty and worthy of it, like that you're deserving and that you're capable and that, and as soon as you can bust a move like that, like making an investment in yourself like that, then everything frees up. Remember, as soon as you did it, you made the decision, you get home, you're ready to go. You made that first cue. I couldn't believe it. Like so fast and it was so beautiful so I, gorgeous i still shoot with it today it's, a, it's my main pull cue the very first one he made like in a day or two right i mean i couldn't believe it it was just like perfection you were like in the flow because of that release of like saying i'm gonna do this i'm driving a dream home it's liberating right and as soon as you can take that action is when it really happens so that's where we were we had a beautiful historic home that we had bought repossessed 10 or so years before that. Never really could afford it, but always working on it. And we moved the lathe in. He sets up his whole workshop behind like our little guest house garage. And um, our neighbors come over and we had all been neighbors for, you know, 10 plus years at this point. And they're like, oh, gosh, good. So you guys are never going to move with that. Uh, with all that machinery and I'm like, no, we're not going anywhere. If you could have seen that truck lopsided coming up over the mountains. And um, ironically, ironically, we moved December that same year to start lavender farming. So we'll come back with episode two to talk about how is it that we were so committed to our neighborhood, to our beautiful historic home where we raised our kids, to our neighbors, to Doug's Q shop. And just in a few short, short months, um, moved to rural that Kentucky. That was like July, and it was in December that we moved. Yeah, yeah. All right, so join, subscribe, follow us, whatever you do with your podcast, and you'll hear episode number two, City Living to Lavender Farming. And take that courage and drive your dream home. Well, that was a fun episode, talking with Doug about our first 20-plus years together. I think the key takeaways in that episode was that just trusting your intuition and when you know, you know, and don't try to doubt yourself, especially when things are going right. I think um, 
taking that move to understand and believe that you're worthy and then clearing the way for all the creativity and possibilities for yourself. So many great takeaways. And it was such a great moment um, to hear Doug's story again. So if you want to get connected in other ways, uh, you can follow me and Doug's on there a lot at Aaron Ramsey Joy on Facebook or Aaron Ramsey Joy on Instagram or Aaron Ramsey underscore on TikTok. And we want to give a shout out to Anomalous Bass, who is our son, Luke, our second son, Luke, who did our jingle for us. So thanks for joining Drive Your Dream Home.